hey guys, this is Will. Um, welcome here to uh, the Res Roots podcast. I want to thank you guys for those that have been tuning in. Yeah, it's just been a it's been a long week. Uh, also here at IBC, we're down to our last few weeks here. Also, ask you guys' patience for us as you know we're in, going into finals week. Michael and Kelly as well. But yeah, I am really uh, really excited to look forward to. Uh, really excited for this podcast specifically is uh, I have someone here who is uh, who's someone that I look up to and I'll just have him introduce himself. I like the name Will Res Roots. It's very cool man. I like that. They're like a uh, hey everybody this is Dino Butler Navajo Deneff from Vanderwagen, New Mexico for all the Navajo people out there so that's just for all the Navajo people out there. Really excited to be here, man. I'm really glad you asked me to come and really, really excited to be here too. Yeah, definitely. It's just been, yeah, I, you know, also just want to, you know, affirm you too. Like, yeah, you definitely have been encouraging me a lot, you know, throughout my time here at IBC and just your willingness to help out with the Hope Team stuff as well. Because I remember... uh was it the summer of 2020, you and Ty and Mo came out to just help us start the Hope Team stuff. Yeah, that was definitely like a good encouragement and challenge and just something to, you know, how to start a ministry, you know, and it's it's been really cool. So You know, one of the things that I can say now when we came over is I talked to Ty before we were going to come over and I said, do you know what you're going to talk about? And he said, no. And he asked me, you know what you're talking about? I said, I think, but I'm not sure. And then we started praying, saying, God, you're going to have to lead in this because we kind of know what to say, but then we don't know for sure. And God worked it out, and it was really good. And it was just really neat to be able to talk to you guys. And, you know, it was fun. And every time I come here to IBC, and even, you know, just if it's just chapel, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to hang out and talk to people and, I appreciate, you know, everybody that's here and, you know, I've, uh, I have roots that go deep, uh, especially with, uh, Martha Gushy, who's been a, a friend of mine and a mentor and a, and, a, and really a godsend in many ways. So it's just my roots go deep with the Indian Bible College as well. So glad to be here and then always enjoyed our time together, Will. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, if you're, if you would be willing to, you know, share your testimony and, you know, how you came to the Lord and. You know, it's kind of funny because my testimony is pretty boring. I mean, you think about it, you know, it's, you know, it's not, you know, I didn't get saved out of alcoholism. I, you know, it wasn't a pimp running prostitutes or whatever, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't me. You know, I grew up uh, in Utah. My mom and dad met at a boarding school up there in Brigham City, Utah. They got married. They decided to stay in Utah and um, they had become believers. So they said, we're going to just stay here and get involved with the church, local Bible-believing church, and we're going to raise our children here for however long we think we should. And so that's what they did, and that's where I was born and raised, and I had friends who were of every ethnic background. I had Asian friends and uh, African-American friends and Hispanic friends and white friends, and just I, it ran the whole gamut. And it was really interesting to see how that dynamic changed you know, growing up like that, and then having to move down to the res, uh, my dad got the call for ministry to go down there, so we moved down to the res. And so I came out of this multicultural, you know, atmosphere and culture that I was in and into just being on the res. And you know what that's like, you know, it's not easy to live on the res, you know, no electricity, no running water, you know, just hard, hard life, you know. And uh, I had a hard time adjusting because I was so used to being in a town. And uh, besides that, it was just, you know, trying to fit in because everyone saw me differently. You know, I was their relative, you know, I was related to them. But in reality, they looked at me different because I had grown up off res. And so one of the things that really stuck with me at the time and really kind of, you know, changed me and, 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 and helped me look at life differently was just the fact that uh, they, did, they didn't see me as Navajo. And even though I learned the language, because I didn't know it before, um, I spent a lot of time trying to learn the language, and uh, I, just, I just never felt I was a part of it. 
And so one of the things that I know has identified me where I'm at is that I felt like I was exiled from both cultures. You know, I came to know Christ when I was seven years old. I got to know Christ, you know, going to church with my family. But it never really sank into my heart and, and, and to give my, my whole life to him to go and serve him and do all that. It didn't happen until later in life. But the stuff that happened to me at 13 when my family moved down really just messed with my head and my heart because I really felt like at that time, I was in junior high, seventh grade, that I was too white for all of my Navajo cousins and friends and all that, and they saw me that way. But then when I'd leave the res, I was still Navajo, and they just saw me as another, you know, podunk Indian from the res, you know, and, I, and it just felt like I was really nowhere. And so that, that alienation really hit, struck me hard, and I felt like, God, what's going on here? I thought these people were my family or these are my friends or, you know, I, I felt comfortable to a certain degree with these friends that I had made. And then, you know, that's gone now. And I felt so alone and so isolated. And uh, it wasn't until I was 17 years old and I was, um, I played on the basketball team in high school and uh, I spent a lot of time practicing and uh, by my house, my dad had put up a basketball goal and I was shooting free throws and I was shooting free throws and I kept shooting free throws. And all of a sudden, I just felt in my heart, God speaking to me. And uh, I knew I had come to know Jesus when I was seven years old, but I was kind of like not really living the life. And I was just kind of going through the motions, going to church and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And uh, that, that voice in my heart, God spoke and said, Dino, what are you going to do with me? Are you going to follow me or not? And I fought with God. Because one of the most traumatic things that happened to me at the time was uh, I, they were, I was in the boarding school there at the, at the, in, in Counselor where my mom had been raised and where she grew up and where her family was. But going to that boarding school, um, these... Uh, young Native guys just decided to make an example of me, and they sexually assaulted me. And that changed the way I looked at God. It changed the way I looked at life. It changed the way that I, you know, just looked at everything. And, and, and it made me scared, and it made me fearful of people, and it made me angry at God, and it made me just become so distrustful of everything and everyone around me. And uh, even the people that I loved, I was kind of like keeping them at arm's length and trying not to let that, you know, people get too close because I thought, you know, I was really open with these guys who I thought were my friends and it just kind of went downhill from there. And I never felt safe after that. I never felt, you know, I never felt comfortable. And I left that, you know, time trying to figure out who I was and of course like any native kid you know you laugh it off you act like nothing bad happened and you just kind of move through it and you act like nothing you know is going on mm -hmm. but inside I was just just messed up and I didn't tell anybody about it for years I didn't tell anybody about any of that and I used sports as my outlet you know because I, I loved basketball, and so I started to play. But that, that hurt, that anger, that drive to do something with the pain drove me to be a better basketball player, and it drove me to just go all out. And I was pretty much, you know, playing my anger out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it looked different from the outside. You know, oh, Dino, he hustles, and Dino puts everything out there. And in reality, I was just trying to get rid of my pain. And, and, and to let some of that stuff go. And when God spoke to me that night, you know, it was midnight and beyond, and, you know, I'm shooting free throws in, the, in, the, in that, you know, that moonlight, you know, when it's nice and bright, and, you know, it's one of those really cool nights where the, the sky is just so open, and, you know, there, there's, there's light that you can see from the moon. And I just told God, I said, I can't, I don't know what to do because why didn't you help me when I had this thing, horrible thing happened to me? And I said, I don't know if I really want to follow you because that right there is just, you know, 
I read all these stories about you in the Bible, and I believed them. You know, David and facing the giant, and Daniel in the lion's den, and, you know, even Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, you know? And you couldn't stop these guys from doing this to me? And I and I struggled, and I didn't know what to say to, to God after that, and I, but God kept asking me the question. And I never really got an answer from God when I laid that out to him. But there was something that happened in that. And the one thing that I got from God after I kind of calmed down, because I was, you know, talking to God and ended up yelling at God. And, you know, it sounded really horrible because it's the middle of the night and somebody's <laughs> yelling outside your house, you know. Yeah. But my parents never woke up and the dogs are all around me and I'm, you know, just talking and they're there with me. And I just started to calm down and I was crying and I was shooting free throws. And I ended up, you know, listening to God again. And the 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 the, the thing that I got from God was I'm, I never left, you know. I, I didn't I didn't ever leave you. And I never understood that until I became a father. I never understood what that meant. I, I, I kind of had an idea. And I didn't know what that really meant until I became a father. And I had to, to stand there and watch my children go through something that was something that I couldn't prevent them from going through. But I knew that they had to go through that for whatever reason. And there was a there was a sense of they're going to make it through, but it's not going to be easy. And it's going to be hard for them. And I remember looking at, my, at, at one of my sons at the time and just crying because I'm thinking, you're going to make it through and you're going to be stronger because of this. But I can't tell you that and I can't, you know, go there with you yet because you're going to look at me and go, what? This is going to be good for me? Are you out of your mind? But at the time, I'm looking at it at, at my son and going, oh, I, I wish I could take this away from you, but I can't. But it's going to make you stronger and you're going to go through it and you're going to be better on the other end. And 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 that love that 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 I had for my son is just nothing compared to the love that God had for me and that I finally understood in that moment. And what I ended up doing was in that in that time was I said, okay, God, I'm going to start this journey of following you. And I'm going to come to the end of this journey. And that's what I'm really going to decide if I'm going to follow you or not. Because I want to know if this thing's worth it. I want to put you to the test, God. And I'm just I'm doing this because I need to have peace of mind. Because if all of this is just smoke and mirrors, if this is just an illusion, if I'm just praying to nobody, if there's, if you know, whatever it is out there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do it. And then when I get to the end of that, I'm going to decide for, you know, whatever that is. And I was 17 years old when I did that. And that was the moment I really believed that I, you know, just fully embraced what I believed about God. And, and following Jesus and um, still on that journey. It's crazy because, you know, like, like I grew up too with kind of like that mindset of like, why did God allow this pain in my life? Kind of like, because um, I did, I wrote a, I remember I wrote a poem when I was, I want to say I was 13 years old. I remember saying in that poem, like, God, was it you that gave alcohol to my dad? Like, was it you that told my mom to run away? Was it you to tell my brothers to, you know, abuse me, slap me around? Like, was was that you, God? Like, at the time, you know, it, it left me in a huge confusion of, like, God. Because I had a, a relative who was a Christian, and this relative particularly always abused me, and it didn't make sense to me. Because I'm like, if you're, you know, if you're going to be like that, I don't want anything to do with your Christ. But I remember though, like it's that question in my mind, like, was like God, was that you? You know, like was your hand like you're in control of all things and that definitely though, like, man, it's 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 amazing like how like what you said, like being out on the basketball and then like basketball court shooting free throws and 
just that example of, you know, God meeting you where you're at. That's definitely amazing. As, you know, when you gave your life to the Lord, when when did you, like, start your uh, ministry at Broken Arrow? Well, I know that, you know, the journey that happens, and I know that there are many people, young Native people, who make the decision to follow Jesus, and then, you know, what's next? Like, they'll go to a, a camp or a meeting, or they'll go someplace, a concert, or something where they have this really, really incredible experience with God. And then they, they see themselves change. And, you know, they, they may have even become a Christian. But then what happens next when they go home, you know? And uh, one of the things that I know that I got encouraged to do was, and it was really simple. I mean, the, the, the way that it was explained to me, it was mostly by my parents. But it was this idea of, you know, now that you are um, creating this relationship with God, just you and him, how do you how do you do it, you know? And so I said, well, I've been taught my whole life, read my Bible and pray. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. I thought, well, what is, and I, and I just kind of knew it, but never really put it into practice or even like, yeah, 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 I know, kind of moments, you know? And it wasn't until that moment where I realized that it, it is really about this relationship with God. That as I look through scripture, and now that I'm old and I'm gray and I'm sore and I'm, you know, cracking everywhere, you know, I really see the Bible as, you know, God and his relationship with humanity. And that that's the underlying and the overlying and the foundational thing that it comes back to, that God trying to reconcile man to himself, you know. That's where the, the gospel comes in about Jesus and, you know, for God so loved the world, right? And, you know, that to me was something that I looked at and go, okay, God wants to have a relationship with me. And it was very simple. You know, I read the Bible to hear God's voice from his very own words, you know. And that's really powerful to me because I remember hearing a preacher say one time, he said, he said hold your breath, hold your breath. And I knew that sometimes. I used that. I stole it from him. <laughs> he says, hold your breath, hold your breath. And then we held our breath and he said, hold on as long as you can. Don't, don't exhale. Hold on. And we held on for as long as we could. And we finally went, you know. <laughs> and he said, um, if the Bible is the very breath of God, and we just inhale one breath and try to live our, 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 our daily life, let alone our whole life, on one breath, how long do we expect to live in the spiritual? And I thought, he's absolutely right. And he said, how many times do you think about it? You know, how many times have you taken a breath in and like throughout the day? I mean, that's thousands of times without even thinking about it. And if the Bible is the very breath of God, how much am I letting that breath come in and change me and, and you know, and, and, and filter all that bad stuff out of me that I need to, you know? And that's God's word and, and God and his relationship with me that he wants to foster and to grow and to nurture in a way that brings me closer to him. But then the prayer is really me talking to God about my life, you know? And it's changed over the years. It really has. But those initial times where it was just, you know, I, I love Psalm 13, where David says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? You know, I have a relationship with you, God, but where are you? I mean, there's stuff going on right now, and where are you? And I don't get it, and you're not making sense, and, you know, on and on and on. And, you know, we have friends that we hang out with, and we kind of go, dude, what's your problem, you know? And they don't know what's going on with them. But then when they tell you that, oh, okay, there's stuff happening, you know. And then for you, the same way, you know, you're talking to your friend. They go, why are you all upset about whatever? You know, well, I'm dealing with stuff. But that's a relationship that you have that goes back and forth, right? And prayer for me has always been going to God and just laying out my life. God, this is my life. As messed up as it is sometimes, and as sometimes contradictory that it becomes, here's my life, God. And this is the only way I can talk to you like a friend, you know, because I can't talk to him any other way. And when I started doing that, it started to make sense. I breathe in the word of God because that's God's life and him, his character coming into me. But also it's me giving back to God. You know, it's, 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 it, it's kind of a bad analogy, but it works. You know, it's like the trees put off oxygen but then they take our carbon dioxide and they use it, right? 
So when we're in the trees and we're in the forest and we're giving back to each other, you know, and that's really cool because we're helping each other. And kind of in the same way, you know, our relationship with God, we give God our pain and he makes something great out of it. We give him everything about our lives and he uses it so that we can help others and, you know, things like that. But it was just as simple as doing that. And, you know, I know you have, you asked me about spiritual warfare. And one of the things that happened to me not too long after I really decided to follow Jesus I had come back from a basketball game. My parents had told me that they were going to be in town at my mom's brother's house, my uncle, my half, my uncle, my, my half brother to your, to my mom. And uh, they were going to stay there the night. So I came home, and this is like mid-November or something like that. And uh, I went in the house, built a fire because it was cold in the house, and then a dog started barking. And uh, I'm like, I'm looking around. Because usually at night you'll see lights, you know, a, a car going by or whatever. Yeah. Hear the noise of the engine. But there was no, there was nothing. And I got the fire going and had something to eat. And then um, started hearing the dogs bark again. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking I should go look just to make sure there's, you know, there's somebody out there or something happening or whatever. I need to make sure because the dogs are barking a lot. And as soon as I walked out the door, I opened the door, the dogs all stopped and ran and stood in front of me. They just looked at me. And I kind of looked around. And, you know, as much as you can see at night. And, then, and it was like a half moon, so there was a little bit of light out there, but not a lot. So I could see, you know, shapes. And then I closed the door back again and started to walk back, and the dogs started barking again. And then I go back again and open the door, and the dogs are all looking at me again. But this time... Instead of like looking at me and being relaxed, they just ran around me and ran behind the house. And so I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, I started feeling this tremendous amount of fear like, you're gonna die, do you know? And it started to like overwhelm me, and I'm just holding on at the door and putting my hand against the other side of the, of the door opening, and I'm going, What's going on? And I look out, and I see this thing in the sagebrush because you know my family came and put the house up they had cleared sagebrush to a certain point you know and we had set up some stuff there and there were things that were going on there but they had cleared out the sagebrush to a certain point and in the sagebrush you could see this thing you know running in the sagebrush and then all of a sudden it just stood up and it looked like a person and uh, I'm freaking out going what, what is this? But still feeling that fear, just overwhelming fear. And it was just this feeling of, Dina, you're going to die. And I can honestly say in that moment, I thought I was. And I didn't know how to respond. I was all of 17 years old. This is probably maybe three months, maybe three and a half, four months after I had made my decision to follow Jesus. And I didn't know what to do. And I remembered what, what Jesus had done. You know, the, he put the spirits from that guy into the pigs. Yeah. And he had confronted, you know, the, the kid that had the demon and was going to throw him into the fire. And I thought, Jesus has power over this. And I'd never been confronted with that spiritual reality. And sometimes people make it like, the devil had nothing on me. He can't touch me and on and on and boasting. And I, and I just, I can't be in that position because the spiritual situation I was in told me just how little I had control over that. I had none. And it wasn't until I decided to say the name of Jesus. I said, Jesus, help me. And I could feel that fear kind of stop. It was growing. And it was getting more and more scary for me. And I said, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Over and over again. And I, and I, I looked out, and this thing started to walk towards me. And then stopped. And I was thinking, why are they stopping? And I'm just saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And I started to pray, and I started to remember Scripture, you know. No weapon that's formed against you can prosper, Dina, because you have Jesus. 
And I said, Jesus, you, you, you're helping me. I know you're helping me because I'm, I'm not feeling as afraid. I said, God, whatever it is you want me to do, help me to know what to say and what to do. I just stood in the door, you know. And the more I prayed, I was like, Lord, help me. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, God? And finally I started to get more courage. And I said, I looked out and I said, in the name of Jesus, you need to go away. And then in that moment when I said that, I realized why they had stopped. They couldn't come any further. They were kind of walking back and forth. And I realized God stopped, stopped it right there. They couldn't come any closer. And I started to get more bold. I said, in the name of Jesus, you need to go away. By the, by the power of the name of Jesus, you have no power here. And it's his power, not mine, that's going to make you go away. So you need to get out of here in Jesus' name because you have no power here. The victory by the shed blood of Jesus is happening right now in my life. I started to get more and more confident with it. And I stood there and I finally said it out loud because the whole time I'm just saying it in my head. I'm not saying it out loud at all. And it was the first time that I said it. And, you know, of course, he was like, is it the name? And I'm, I'm struggling to say it because it felt like my tongue was all messed up. And I said, in the name in the name of Jesus, you need to go. By his power and his power alone, not my own, but his, you need to go. And then after what seemed like hours, what it was probably only like, two minutes that thing turned around and went into the bushes and then ran off now the next thing that happened totally freaked me out because it was silent the whole time and then in that moment when this thing started running away my dogs decided to get involved so they came running around the corner <laughs> start freaking out and I'm hearing these dogs bark and they're running after him and I'm standing like my heart is beating out of my head I'm holding on to the door going oh man these dogs they just totally freaked me out and I saw them run and then I saw them stop and they started to turn around and they came back and then I closed the door and I went back over to where the fire was and uh, I had a um, I had a Coleman lantern that we had used for light because we didn't have electricity in our house. And I went over and I lit it and turned it on. And as this thing was lighting, I went to the to the to where the fire was, where we had our fire in our little fireplace, and uh, just started crying. And the, and the enormity of what had just happened hit me. And I started shaking. And I'm, and I'm literally laying in front of the fire in a fetal position, crying, saying, what just happened? What just happened? And it was in that moment that God just spoke very clearly to me that this is spiritual warfare. The devil was trying to keep you from following Jesus by showing you his power by making you feel afraid. And now you understand that I am King of Kings, Lord of Lords. But you had to do that yourself. You had to take it for yourself. You had to apply it to your own life and say, yes, this is mine. The guy that um, I quote often about these things, his name is Dean Sherman. He's a YWAM guy. And he said, in those instances, the devil won't be convinced until he's convinced that you're convinced. And each time that I said the name of Jesus and had to deal with that spiritual attack that was going on, I just started to feel that courage start to grow. And I can honestly say in that situation, I had nothing to do with any of that happening. It was all... Jesus, it was all the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I contributed nothing except for the words that I was saying out loud. That's all I contributed to it. It was all God. And so when people talk about spiritual warfare stuff, I don't, I don't even. I said, if we go looking for it, that's a problem. Because the devil's going to look at us and go, oh, yeah, you think you're strong? Let me show you what strength looks like. 
But if we're going there understanding, hey, it's not me. It's God. It's Jesus. He's, he's won the victory. And as long as I stand in him, this is his stuff, not mine. And there have been times where I've talked to kids and, you know, I one time had a student that was, people thought was demon-possessed. And I kid came to me and looked at me and he said, the voices in my head are telling, you know, telling me for you to get the hell out of here. And in my, in my mind, I'm going, okay, what are we, you know, and I said, okay. I said, I said I'm going to pray. I started praying. I said, Lord Jesus, this is for you. This is about you. And just come here and, you know, take 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 possession of this of this place in this moment here so that whatever's going on and whatever voices are being heard will get silenced and that your voice will be heard and the only one that's being heard. So in the name of Jesus, we just, God, do all these things. Take care of it so that this young man knows that you're really in control. And, you know, this 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 kid just turned and looked at me and said, I I, I want to be free. And it was him. And he said, I said, yeah, you can be if you turn to Jesus and, you know, whatever they're saying to you is, is lies. And we talked about it for a while and he didn't hear anything, you know, for a while. And I said, you know, you really need to turn to Jesus. And unfortunately, he, we never got that far because he just wanted to go to bed. He just wanted to go to, back, go to sleep. And I said, let me pray for you. I prayed for him and sent him on his way. And this was out of time when I was at Broken Arrow Bible Ranch. And I saw the kid the next day, and he was leaving that day. And, you know, we never really talked about it. But those are those moments where you realize that none of those things have control over you because of Jesus. And sometimes you have to stand up for what you believe and, and, and why you believe. Because do you really believe it? Because if you really believe it, you'll stand in it. And, and it usually, it's that point, you know, what people say, put up or shut up, you know? You know, if you're going to bring it, bring it, you know? That was one of those moments that I really believe. And was I going to stand in that? And I haven't had very many experiences like that. But every time I go into it, I still get scared. And I still turn to God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus to get me through. That's the only way that I've been able to do it. Now, the devil, you know, will get you however he wants to get you. But that was at the time when I was 17, that first encounter I had. He was trying to capitalize on my fear. He was trying to capitalize on the fact that, let me demonstrate to you how powerful I am. And, and, and it, you know, God's not going to help you in this. But you know what? My faith was there, and I was able to stand in it. There's other stories I could tell, but that was a moment of victory because I humbled myself before Jesus, before his power and his, his place. Because like the Bible says, right? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Mm -hmm. In heaven and on the earth and below the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that was where I won my victory. And I can't even say I won the victory, that the victory was won by Jesus on my behalf. And I was just able to make it my own. Hmm. Wow, that's it's really just amazing. Because, you know, like it's, it's crazy because, you know, we're actually here at ABC. We're going through our unit and it's you know, in spiritual warfare. <laughs> I, I haven't really experienced much uh, like something, you know, like that. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be screaming. I probably run away. Like, oh, no, okay. I thought about screaming and running. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, I think um, I remember though one time it was actually like in. I actually remember the exact date, the day of my birthday, which is August second, two thousand eighteen. You know, we're coming down to our last event, and Ron, you know, Ron was like, "Hey, you know, will you want to do uh, your hope story tonight?" I was like, "Yeah, I can do that." And uh, moments later, my dad called me, and uh, he, my dad usually doesn't, he's not the one to call, you know, he just text you, or, so he called me, and some, for some reason, though, when I saw his name pop on my phone, I'm like, okay, yeah, this, uh, this must be something serious here, he was really quiet, and I asked him, like, is everything okay, he 
said, well, it's William, your, your older brothers, uh, committed suicide. Yeah. I didn't want to do my hope story that night. I didn't even want to, didn't want to be there on the team. I just, just felt broken. It brought back to like how I said before about you know, my dad, uh, like was it you that brought alcohol to him, you know, and all that. And then I'm like, how come you didn't do anything, God? Like you called me here <laughs> and you called me here to do this on, on Eagle's Wings, but you, you didn't bring me to him. Like you knew this, like you knew this the whole time. Like, so I was really, I was like in a little, little spiritual warfare they were like battling against god and i just really felt the lord like yeah he, he knew that i was really upset with him but i really felt him telling me like i still want you i still want you to share your testimony and i shared my testimony then i also shared about the news i just got today and the reservation that we were on actually had a few suicides you know, days prior before we came. So a big, uh, a big response to the altar call. And man, yeah, and the Lord really used that. And although it did hurt, but, you know, and when I, uh, so now we're down to our last days of On Eagle's Wings and uh, flew straight home. I wasn't able to make the funeral because the traditional ways when someone commits suicide, get their funeral done as soon as they can because we don't want that spirit that was in him to come onto one of us but yeah and I came home and it felt like as soon as I went in my house it felt like I had like a backpack full of rocks it was like heavy like the atmosphere was just heavy I didn't really know what to do I was like man this this is hard (laughs) It's like God, what the heck? Like, what, what do I do? And greeted all my brothers and my siblings, and I was like, man, they they weren't really excited to see me. I'm not like saying it in a bad way. It's just you know, yeah, it's understandable. I just I just didn't know what to do. And I was like, God, like help me. You know, it was uh, maybe you know very vulnerable and honest here. I, uh, it was August 15th, 2018, so 13 days later. My dad, my dad usually works throughout the whole day, so he's, he's out of the house. Uh, my brother was in a relationship at the time, and, you know, they always, they always stayed in their room. They were never out. Uh, I forgot where my other brother went, but I was really lonely, and I was alone. I really kid you not, it felt like, everything was going dark like you know like I felt like like your eyes are like on the urge of closing that's kind of how it felt and I was like I don't know what it was I uh just it really was getting dark and self-harm and like the spirit is that suicide was really at an all-time high I got up and I was like man I need I need to be around somebody um, I tried to, uh, you know, call my brother and I was like, Hey man, you, you guys want to watch a movie or something? You know? And he was like, no, we're about to go to sleep. So I was like, yeah, didn't know what to do at that point. I was like, okay, that was, that was literally my only chance to be around somebody. I'm like, all right. It was getting darker and darker. And I just remember, like, you know, in my heart, I'm like, God, help me. You know, can really help me here. And just didn't feel like anything was going on. I didn't think, like, anything was happening randomly. Um, one of my mentors here at IBC just texted me. And he was like, well, hey, well, how are you doing? How's home going for you? You know, excited to see you next week. That immediately just helped me so much. And I was able to talk to him and pray with him and never felt so, like, I never felt that before, like, especially, like, it getting so dark and, like, you know, just asking God, like, help me, you know, and he, he helped me. Amazing how he came out and met me where I was at. And 
kind of, I feel like I always wonder too. I'm like, why, God, why'd you allow that to happen? You know, but I feel like it was something that God is teaching me. He's like, you can rely on me. So yeah, and yeah, as time goes on, and that's when I came back here and prayed that through with my mentors and walked me or helped them, had had them help me walk through those that hurt that I had with the suicide and and God really helped me to, you know, and let go of that and not hold on to it. Yeah. That's that's one of the challenges, you know, that sometimes people have the wrong conception in their mind that, oh, I come to Jesus and everything's going to be fine now. And that's just not the truth. Anybody who sells that is not telling the truth. In fact, they're trying to sell something else, not Jesus. And it really is a, you know, the beginning of a journey where you're getting to know somebody like almost for the first time. You know, you're getting to know God for who he really is, not for what you think he ought to be or what you think he might have been or is. You start to learn more about him and who he really is, and it starts to change the way you see things. And one of the challenges I see sometimes is we we get caught up in single event emotional releases, you know, to where we'll go to something that's wonderful and God uses it and, you know, it turns into something that's great. But then what happens afterwards? How do we follow that up? How do we, you know, and, and, and really experiencing something after that particular thing and saying, how do I navigate this? How do I get through it? How do I, you know, I just lost my brother and I'm, and I'm grieving and I'm hurting and how do I, God, how do I navigate this? Is it okay to cry? Is it okay to be mad? Is it okay to question you? Is it okay to, you know, the whole grieving process, you know? Because you and I have both heard from people. Be strong. Don't cry. Don't let anybody see you cry. You know, and it's like, okay, but I'm really sad and I want to cry because I just lost somebody that I loved. And all these different things that people think that we ought to do, when in reality, those aren't the things that God would want us to do. And so one of the challenges, I think, is that, you know, getting people to understand that maybe the way that they see God is not the right way. And they need to really go back to his word and spend time in prayer, taking that word and filtering it into their minds so that they can understand who God really is. Because he really does walk with us. He does provide, like in your situation, his people to come alongside us when we need it the most. And who knows why? that particular person decided to call you or to text you, right? Yeah. That could have been a prompting by the Spirit to go do that. And that's happened to me before. You know, I've gone to people and, you know, and they, and they said, you know what, when you did that, I was asking God for this, and then you showed up and talked to me and prayed with me. And on the other end, no clue, yeah. none whatsoever. It's like God is, go talk to that person, go pray with them, put your arm around them and just, connect okay i'll go do that and then do that and i'm wondering okay god you're making something happen i just need to be able to listen to your spirit's leading in all of these things because that i believe is what god wants us to do when we're in those positions where we can actually do them and you know those are the challenges that we run into sometimes that you know how do how do i take this experience that i've had with god and 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 nurture it and grow it but how do i pull other people in because in many ways i'm just barely hanging on myself you know i know who i am i've read romans 7 you know the thing i want to do i don't do the thing i don't want to do i end up doing that and you know paul says wretched man that i am who will save me from this body of death you know and i say yeah me too you know i'm struggling just like anybody else but he brings it back to God. He brings it back to Jesus and says, praise be to God for his indescribable gift. And that gift is his salvation. It's his gift of his presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of comfort that we get from him that is supernatural. It's other. It's, it's not here. It's, it's not, you know, I can feel love for my brother and my sister. But there's a, there's, a, there's a spiritual comfort that comes from God that can't be described or explained. It's just something that happens when we have that relationship. And that's where I believe faith comes in. You know, we believe for God to do something that we can't tangibly take a hold of and pull down and say, this is mine. Mm 
but we believe by faith, God, you're, you're gonna, you're, I know you're going to take care of me, and I know you're going to do something, but help me to be able to, to just submit myself to you and hear your voice. I, I, I don't know if you ever heard that uh, that story. Um, um, the rapper Lecrae shared one time. He uh, he was talking about uh, you know Psalm twenty three, the Great Shepherd. Uh, Lecrae was like, "You want to know a story how the sheep uh, defeated the wolf?" Yeah, Lecrae was like saying, "He's like, yeah, he didn't, you know, he didn't bite the wolf because the sheep can't bite." <laughs> And uh, he's like, the sheep didn't get, you know, his whole flock to, you know, come jump the wolf. The sheep didn't have a knife, gun, or whatever, whatever the case may be. All the sheep did was simply stay by the shepherd. And that's how he defeated the wolf. And, man, it really spoke volumes to me because, like, man, that's too, you know, a good weapon to fight against spiritual warfare is being by... Being by the shepherd, his rod, his his staff comforts me, knowing that it protects me. So yeah, it's, that's that's a song that God's been teaching me a lot, and being able to walk that through with you know my guys Tim and Tim and Aaron, learning more about spiritual warfare and the battle in there. And so I think one thing I was just uh, just before we close, um, I was just wondering if you got any like encouragement. I'm gonna be honest, this is probably to me specifically but maybe there's somebody out there that is you know going to be going into ministry or they don't know what their next step is but I was wondering if you got any encouragement for young native man or woman that is going to be going into ministry well let me just throw a little plug in here for Broken Hill Bible Ranch just really 30 seconds worth Um, because you know that's where I work and that's uh, the ministry that God's given my wife and I Nanette and we're the lead counselors there and uh, we minister to Native kids who come from all over the reservation and, um, you know, Navajo Reservation, both in Arizona and New Mexico. And uh, we help to train our staff. We do the training and we do mentoring. We do um, uh, uh, counseling and we do leadership development. And we try to help these guys as they go through their time there. And, you know, anybody's welcome to come and, you know, be a part of it if they want to work. But uh, that's our focus, and we, the Broken Arrow Bible Ranch exists to give the gospel to every single person who comes in, to give encouragement to believers, to help those who are hurting, to get restored and renewed, and to help those who are maturing in their faith find their vision, and then to go fulfill that vision, whatever God's given them. So, you know, that's, that's what we do, and uh, we're so glad to be a part of it. Broken Arrow is a ministry of UIM and so grateful to Steve Knox, the director, and everybody who works there for what they're doing for us. But that's my commercial and that's done. <laughs> but um, as far as encouragement for young people um, going into ministry, uh, my first thing would be, um, you know, if God has called you, if God has called you to go and do it, you need to throw yourself into that. Because this is something that I know for me personally that I, I was convicted about going into ministry to the point of saying, if I don't do this all the way, then why am I not doing this or something else? Because if I'm not going to do it all the way, then there's no point. If I'm just going to make a half-hearted attempt or just kind of show up because, you know what, I'm here, I might as well just do it. It's different than saying, you know what, that's what I really want to go do. I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my, in so much, it's just coming out of me. And that's what I need to do. Go do it. And, and, and sometimes someone needs to say to you, to whoever that person is, listen, if God's gifted you and God's given you an opportunity, go do it. Because the, he's the one that's doing the calling. He's the one who is moving and, and showing and, and creating space for you to go do whatever it is he has for you. Um, for somebody who's never done it before, I would say have the courage to trust God. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is acknowledging the fear and going and doing what you have to do anyway. And I, and, you know, I, I understand the whole thing with Joshua in, in Joshua 1 where God says to him, you know, 
be strong and courageous. And we always use that verse, you know, Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you? But they don't realize what came before that. He told him to be strong and courageous, not only in that, but also in Deuteronomy. He's saying, Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. Moses told him that. And I can just see Joshua kind of like God's talking to him over on this side and his eyes drift and he sees all these people and he's getting overwhelmed. And God's like, hey, haven't I already commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And it's almost like God is like scolding him almost like, hey, I give you, I, I want you to do this and you're going to do it. And I know you feel overwhelmed, but I, haven't I given you a command and you need to respond to me because you're the leader. Be strong and courageous. Everything you're going to do, I'm going to bless. Every place you put your foot is going to be yours. But he tells, he tells him, meditate on this law day and night. Because in whatever you put your hand to, you're going to have success. And so be courageous. It doesn't mean that you're not afraid. It just means you handle your fear to go do what God is telling you to do. And you and I both know, Will, young people who are like, oh, I can't do it. I don't know if I can. I'm scared. And I want to say to them, okay, it's good. You know that you're afraid. Now go do what God's telling you to do because this is where you find out who God really is. Do you trust him enough to get past your fear? Is your fear bigger than your love and your desire for God? Because that's really what defines you. That's a put up or shut up moment, you know? And I say, have courage. Don't be daunted by all these other things. Get in there and start doing it. But I also understand that people have baggage. People are wounded. And because they're wounded, I would say to them, hey, go to somebody that can help you. We'll find somebody say, hey, you know what? Like it happened in my case. I had talked to somebody about what happened to me when I was 13. And be able to talk through it and find the avenues of, of, of getting restored and, 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 and forgiveness and things of that nature to allow me to be able to put those things in a place that didn't hinder me anymore, but actually had become a help, you know? And I get it, you know, and kids come to camp and they're talking about suicide. And I said, you know what? I had suicidal thoughts when I was a kid. I had suicidal thoughts when I was a teenager. I had suicidal thoughts when I was in my 20s. And I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be hopeless. I know what it's like to feel like you've been abused. I know what that feels like. I, feel, I know what it feels like to be taken advantage of. I know what that feels like, but I know that God brings comfort, that God brings strength, that God can, can take us out of those situations and, and, and restore us and heal us. So I know if there's people with baggage, go to the Lord, ask him for help. Go to the people that you know who know the Lord and go to them to help you start that process of healing. Because if we look for it, God says, you know, anybody who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. His door is open always to us. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, this generation of Native young people, the one that, you know, that's the one that we're talking to right now, who were born in the 21st century, they're the ones who are going to change the world because the world is changing. And if they're courageous enough, the Native young people are going to, are going to, are going to shock the world. They're going to shock the world because they understand it. They know how to live in two worlds. They know how to live in worlds where there's plenty. And they know how to live in worlds where there's nothing. And they'll be able to go and do and become because they understand what it means to suffer. They also understand what it means to have nothing. And they're going to go and they're going to take the world by storm. And I believe that with all my heart. And you and I are part of that. You know, I'm older. I'm an old guy now. But you're younger and you're leading those kids now, Will. And they're going to look to you for leadership. They're going to look to me for leadership. I'm going to tell them, hey, God is everything he said he was. Now go do the work. Step in there and trust God and see what he does. We don't know what he's going to do, but it's not going to happen unless we step into that arena, step into that place and say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm, going to, I'm afraid, but I'm going to go do it anyway and we'll see what you do. And you've, I've done that with all the ministries I've done for 30 plus years now. And you've done it when you've gone on, on eagle's wings and, and just ministering to people on whatever res you were at. And you've seen God at work and you've seen God do some cool things. But now's the time to help those kids, to help ourselves, and to see what God will do. Because I believe that young Native America can truly change the world. That's, that's that's true. I really I really believe that too. Because yeah, the twenty twenty first century, yeah, it's, a lot's been going on in the world. 
But yeah, I uh, wanted to close out too, just by saying, if you are struggling, if you are in a, you know a spiritual warfare and a battle right now, I encourage you to you know to reach out, or even you know just you know what's crazy is that when someone is going through something and they uh, they have two choices, either to run away from God or run to God. And the sad thing is, is when I see people go through a lot of battles, I see them run away. And I'm like, man, you have a perfect opportunity to run to him even more, you know. But I reason why I say that, you know, I, I understand what it's like going through, you know, the spiritual battle. I understand when it feels like, you know, God's not listening. You know, just like how Dino was saying, like, you know, I, like, I feel that too. A verse that I always run to is uh, uh, Psalm 34, 18. That the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and near to those who are crushed in spirit. Even though it may not feel like it, you know, God is, God is still near. And he's holding you close. Um, but then that, I was going to ask you, Dino, if you'd be willing to close out in prayer. Absolutely. All right, cool. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity I have to be on Will's podcast. And I pray, God, as we have talked about who you are and how you have brought us from places of despair and places of ignorance where we didn't know you or didn't know you as well or just really didn't know you enough to let you change our lives and that you've brought us to this point, whatever that may be. That we're thankful, God, that you have reached down and touched our lives. And for those that are listening, Father, I pray that they would find encouragement, that they would find a reason, Father, to keep moving forward, that they would know that you are the God, as Willis said, is close to the brokenhearted. And I pray that those who are maybe struggling with one thing or another, Father, would reach out to you in their hurt, in their despair, in their difficulty, and, and, and know that you long to have relationship with them. And Father, I pray for those who are struggling in their faith, who have questions that they've never asked out loud, who are wondering if you're really real, if you're really there, just some figment of our imagination or something that we just made up to account for stuff that we don't understand. But God, that you are real and that you are alive and that you're here and that you are not silent. And for those who are struggling with where you'd want them to go, Father, that they would really just lay down their burdens, that they would lay down their cares, that they would lay down their life and say, God, use me, take me, show me where you want me to go, what you want me to do, and that they would embrace this great adventure that you have called us all to that you have destined us for something more than just living this life. You've destined us just de- destined us for, for things, God, that, that we may not even know. And so, Lord, I thank you that you have spoken to our hearts tonight, and I pray that you would encourage those who not only hear this podcast, but know that their life could mean something so much more than just living every day and then one day, going into eternity. But Father, I pray that we would all know how beautiful in your sight we all are and how desperately you have made a way through Jesus Christ to have relationship with you. So thank you, God, for this opportunity to speak of your love, to speak of your faithfulness, to speak of your care, to speak of, God, the way that you do things and make things happen to show who you really are the nature and character of who you really are, a good and perfect creator God, a good and perfect creator who is also a father who gives good things to his children. Thank you, God, for your blessing on those who are listening and on Will for bringing this together. Lord, I pray your blessing on him as he goes forward, as he graduates and you take him to the next thing that he's, he's supposed to do. I know that's not always easy, and sometimes it's downright scary. But, Father, our eyes are not on our problems and our difficulties or even our own fears. Our eyes are on you. So thank you, Father. We pray all these things in the name 
of Jesus, for every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you guys for, you know, listening and also just remind you guys, uh, be patient with us. You know, finals week is here, so uh, <laughs> pray for us as well. And, uh, Good luck to everybody. Thanks again, Will, for letting me be part of this. Just really glad we could do this, man. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for coming out too. So, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Peace out.